0: For our scripture reading, we turn first to Numbers 14, and then we'll look at, read the passage, which is the text, uh, John, or not John, Joshua 5, the first nine verses. But first reading parts of Numbers 14, and seeing references here, when Israel had sinned and had were listening to the evil report of the ten spies, and when God spoke of the fact that those 20 years and older were going to die in the wilderness and that their children were going to go into the land. As we read that, that history, we take note of what um, was said here about what the Egyptians would say. The passage in Joshua we read that we will read speaks about the rolling away of the reproach, the reproach of the Egyptians. We read Numbers 14 starting at verse 11 to verse 34. So, Numbers 14 starting at verse 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me, and how long will it be ere they believe me, for all the signs which I have shown among them? I will smite them with the pestilence, and disinherit them, and will make of thee a greater nation, and mightier than they. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou broughtest up this people in thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of cloud and in a pillar of fire by night. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them. Therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy, and as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb... Because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land where, whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell there therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, them will I bring in, And they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. And the number of the days in which ye search the land, even forty days, each day for a year shall ye bear your iniquities even forty years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. And now we turn to Joshua 5, and we'll just read the, the text, which is the first nine verses of Joshua chapter 5. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel, until we were passed over, that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make thee sharp knives, and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. Joshua made him sharp knives, and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, Died in the wilderness by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised. But all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness. To all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt, were consumed, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord sware that he would not show them the land, which the Lord sware unto their fathers that he would give us, a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. So far, we read from the Holy Scriptures this evening. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, they crossed the Jordan, we considered that not that long ago when they crossed the Jordan and the waters went back now they were on the the other side, now they were on the west side of the Jordan and the Jordan went back as it was before, so any thought of a retreat they'd have to deal with Jordan River. Now that Jordan River was behind them. Now they were in the land and they were called to go forward and fight against the Canaanites. And at this time, this chapter begins making a reference to the fact that the Canaanites were afraid. makes a distinction between the Amorites, sometimes we read of them as Amorites, sometimes Canaanites, and here it makes a distinction and says, the Amorites, which were on the side of the Jordan westward, and that the Canaanites, which were by the sea, and it said that they heard news spread, and they heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan. And it says that their heart melted. Their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in any of them anymore because of the children of Israel. And it was at that time, while the enemies, their hearts were melting, as that news is spreading. That's the context that we read of. And at this time, God told the people, God told Joshua that it was time to circumcise the males, and then it explains how for quite some time now while they were in the wilderness that the children were, the males were not being circumcised. And now they were going to be. They've entered into the land. Now they're going to be circumcised. Sign of the covenant. And they're going to go forth as God's people with God with them, fighting the battles as directed by Jehovah God. We read in this section of circumcision and then the Passover. We didn't read going farther, but if you go farther, then you read about the Passover, similar to how we have baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now they enter into the land, and we read about circumcision and the Passover, these signs that God had given to them. That directed them to the truth concerning the covenant. The covenant that God had made with his his people. And then in verse 9, in that last verse, there's specific reference to the reproach of Egypt. And we read a portion of, of the book of Numbers that speaks about things that Moses said the Egyptians will say While they're out there in the wilderness, what are the Egyptians going to say while they're wandering in the wilderness? And what was going to happen if God did what he said about how he was going to destroy them and make of Moses a mightier and greater nation and how Moses responded to that? And God says in verse 9 of Joshua 5, This day have I rolled away or rolled off the reproach of Egypt from you? And then the name of the place was called Gilgal, which has the idea of rolling. So from now on, this place would be called Gilgal, and then as people would talk of this place, there would be brought to the remembrance what had happened there, and specifically... What God had said about the rolling away of the reproach of Egypt. When we look at scripture, we see a lot of references to the idea of reproach. We read of the enemies reproaching God's people for following Christ. So on the one hand, there's references to the reproach that came upon Christ... The reproach that comes upon those that are following Christ. We also read of the reproach that would come upon the people of God when they would when they'd sin. And then what their enemies would say when God would chasten his people. And when God chastens his people, how then others reproach us and speak against us? That was the case in the past. Here we read about a reference to the time they had been in the wilderness for all those years. Read similar things with regard to them going to Babylon and how they'd be mocked and ridiculed. People would say, oh, sing to us from the Psalms of of Zion. Now people would ridicule them while they were in this strange land. And God's people knew that that God and his love was chastening them chastening his people but that he loved them and that he would deliver them that he was faithful he would fulfill his promise so God's people here were told that for a while they were going to be in the wilderness but they were going to go into the land their children were going to go into the land he would give them the land that he had promised to them God is faithful And with regard to reproaches today, there are reproaches that come upon us today. Sometimes reproaches for doing what we're supposed to do. There are those that make fun of us for the truth we preach. Or for things that we won't do that we're not supposed to do. Or things that we do that we are supposed to do. And there are some that make fun of us. And there are sometimes too, where we're chastened. In our own life, we may be chastened with regard to certain sins in our own life. And others may reproach us. Others may speak against us. Yet God tells us that the day will come when we will be crowned with glory and honor. That we know in this life we're going to be chastened. But the day will come when we will inherit the land. And we will be crowned with glory and honor. In this life, our Father chastens us in love, but he is faithful. We always remember our Lord is faithful. He's teaching us, and he will fully deliver us just as he has told us that he will. And there is comfort here as we consider the different trials, the difficulties that we, were pre- that we experience, and things that people say against us in this life. We are comforted by what our Lord says to us here in this passage. We consider the passage under the theme, the reproach rolled off. We consider the circumcision administered. Secondly, the reproach removed. And thirdly, the place named. first of all with regard to circumcision briefly with regard to the sign we recognize that it pictured the same thing as baptism that we bring this out when we talk to baptists about it when they know full well that the infants were circumcised the male infants and yet they refuse baptism to infants today and they make this distinction all we make between the two peoples the different covenants. We say there's one covenant people of God and baptism replaced circumcision. The difference in the sign is related to the fact that in the Old Testament before Christ came there was a shedding of blood. But now that Christ has come and has suffered and died in our place there is no longer a shedding of blood. And it pictured the same thing. It was the sign of the covenant picturing the same thing as baptism. It pointed to the circumcising of the heart, as we read in Jeremiah 4. The cutting away, the cutting away of the, of the old man, the cutting away of sin, the removal of sin. Just like baptism pictures the washing away of sin and the renewal by the Spirit, that baptism pictures the washing away of sins and are being spiritually renewed. Similarly, similarly is it the case with the Old Testament sign of, of circumcision. Now, why wasn't it administered before? Why was there this period? where it was not happening. Some might say, well, it's because it was too dangerous in the wilderness to do it. This passage does not say that. It doesn't say that it was too dangerous for them to administer it while they were in the wilderness. We recall, too, that God said that the one that was uncircumcised shall be cut off. Now, that's from strong language that God had used in Genesis 17 that he that is uncircumcised shall be cut off. Rather, we look at it in connection with what we read in Numbers 14. And we are told, as that event is also explained in the New Testament, that they were not able to enter into the land because of unbelief. Unbelief. And all those, those, those men of war that are referred to that died in the wilderness, making a reference to people that were 20 years old and older, how they were going to die in the wilderness. They could not enter because of their unbelief. And God said regarding this that they were going to bear their iniquity. And that's the language that was used. Bear your whoredoms. Your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. And during this time, they weren't circumcising the children. That's stated as a, that's stated as a fact in the first part of this chapter that we just read. And says this is the cause why Joshua circumcised them, verse 4. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war died in the wilderness. By the way, after they came out of Egypt, now all the people that came out were circumcised. But all the people that were born in the wilderness, see, so you had all these people now that were born in the wilderness during that time, all those that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness, and it explains how they did not obey, and so on. And so all this time had been going by, and the children were not circumcised. But now that this has happened, that these ones that were older that had died, except for, of course, Joshua and Caleb. And now those children that, have, that had grown up during that time and were, of course, of different ages, the males now were going to be circumcised. Now this generation is coming into the land. And God had said, your children will come in. And now the children were coming into the land we see the difference between this generation and the previous one that that's one thing we take note of of what it was like what that gener- what the generation was like when they listened to the, the report of the, the spies that brought an evil report and now what this this their children were like as they went forward into the land and now The children were entering into the land as God had promised, and now they were to be circumcised. It's interesting that Abraham entered the promised land, and then he was circumcised. And we read of that in Genesis 17, for example, when there's a reference to circumcision. And then God said that those that were 20 years and older were not going to enter the land. And then for this period of time, their children were not circumcised. So Abraham had gone into the land, was circumcised. These people were told that they were not going to go into the land, and their children then were not circumcised. But now after they come in, after they come in, they receive the sign. They receive the sign of circumcision, the sign of the covenant. Sign that pointed to the fact that that the Lord was with them, that their covenant God was with them, and that He would guide them and give them strength. Now, a couple more points about this. One is that it certainly was the case that God was with His people while they were in the wilderness. God was with the believers who were in the wilderness. In that difficult time, that rather long period of time of their wandering in the wilderness, that certainly was to the profit of God's people. Later, we read about the people going to Babylon. We read about how the prophets kept telling them about what was going to happen and they weren't listening to the prophets and eventually they go to Babylon. Well, God was with his people while they were in Babylon. And his people would have known that this was all happening to them because people had not listened to God, hadn't listened to God's prophets. And back then, And since many were not not listening to God, the people were going to have to wander in the wilderness. And later on, they were going to go to Babylon. But that would be turned to the profit, the benefit of God's covenant people. And of course, we do read of the, the cloudy pillar. We read of the manna. We read of the water from the rock and the clothes not wearing out and so on that did take place during that, that time. And now as they enter into the land and they receive the sign of circumcision, It's at this time that we read of the reproach. That the reproach of Egypt being removed. Now with regard to that point, first of all, what is reproach? And what does it mean of Egypt? First of all, with regard to reproach, a reproach is a word of, 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 like, scorn or a taunt. And we have references to things that were said. The, oh, this is what the Egyptians are going to say. Things that somebody might say to you in to scorn you. And the enemies of God's people reproach them. And there's a distinction between being reproached for doing what's what's right and times when reproach comes upon us for for doing what's wrong, as was the case with with Israel here. The Bible does speak about both. For example, it speaks about the reproach of, for the name of Christ. And God says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Jesus said, if people say all manner of evil against you falsely for Christ's sake, rejoice and leap for joy. It's the way they treated the prophets and that's the way they treated our lord they mocked him they spit on him they spoke evil of him falsely and it will be the case that that reproach will come upon us too there will be those that say we're we're not loving because of the positions that we hold to and, the, and the, the positions with regard to doctrines that we hold to. And they'll say that we're not loving and that what we hold to, the positions that we hold to, are, are wrong. And some people even say, boy, to hold to a position like that, that God only desires to save some people, well, that's speaking evil about God. And some people will falsely accuse us of speaking evil about God because we say that God desires to save only some people. Is that a loving God? Then you're not preaching the loving God if you say that God desires to save only some people. And if you say you hate those who hate God, well, the scriptures say that. I mean, we, we sing that and we recognize we're to be staying separate from those that walk impenitently in the ways of sin. Well, there will be people who speak against us falsely and say evil against us falsely for Christ's sake. There are other times, of course, that there can be those that mock us and ridicule us, and we do see it to be related to specific things that we may have done whether or not whether as a church, as a denomination, or whether or not as a family or our individual lives that there can be times when the enemies reproach us and that they delight to see an opportunity to be able to mock us. For example, if we were caught in a lie or if uh, we were caught being if our young people were caught being drunk. Oh, that's how the young people are in the Protestant Reformed churches. Did you hear what these guys, what these young people were doing? And they can speak against our churches, speak against the doctrines that we teach. Well, that's because they're always talking about unconditional, unconditional, and then their their young people, they just walk in the ways of sin. So people will speak against our positions pointing out sins that they see in the the congregation, whether it be the young people or whether it be adults. And we've had adults that have fallen into grievous sins, office bearers, special office bearers, ministers of the word that have been ministers for quite a few years falling into grievous sins. Oh, that's... Did you hear the kind of things that have been going on? In the Protestant Reformed churches it gives an occasion for others to speak to speak against us here there specifically is a reference to the reproach of, of Egypt the idea of the reproach of Egypt is the idea there's a number of different ways that's one of the things in explaining a passage is understanding the use of the genitive the genitive case is when you have a prepositional phrase that begins with the word of like a rod of iron house of bondage reproach of egypt the the second word there is said to be in the genitive the of case And one of the questions is, what kind of a genitive is it? Sometimes the word that's in the genitive is the the object. Meaning that if, if the reproach, if one was speaking of the reproach of someone, meaning the reproach of that person, then that person is the object of reproach. Then that'd be an objective genitive. If you were speaking of the reproach of a person, meaning... That person is being reproached. Or you can have the subjective genitive where the one in the the, the word that's in the genitive is actually the subject. So that the reproach of Egypt would mean what's coming from Egypt. Egypt is the subject and the reproach that's coming from them. And when You know, how do you know? There's there's a number of other different types of genitives. It's quite striking how many different kinds there are. Uh, Possessive genitives. uh, There's many different. A list of all these different types of genitives. Well, how do you know which one it is? Well, one to do. One thing to do is to see how it appears in other places. Reproach of someone. In a number of places, we see the idea that it's the one who is speaking the word, a subjective type of a a genitive, indicating that the reproach of Egypt means that the Egyptians are reproaching the people. What are they saying? Which goes along with what we read, that we read in Numbers 14, about what the Egyptians would say. And that's not the only place where we read that. Uh, and it says in Deuteronomy 9, verse 28, we read, Lest the land whence they brought us out say, Because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land. Hearing the Egyptians say, oh, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land which he had promised them. And because he hated them, he hated them. And he had brought them out to slay them in the wilderness. That was another reference, Deuteronomy 9, verse 28. And there's a number of references of what the, what the people would say. Here, the, they all know the Israelites left the Egypt and they were going to the promised land. And for people to hear, you know what they're doing? They're wandering around out there. They've been wandering out there for years. You know, they were supposed to go into that, into that promised land and they're just wandering around out there. And then statements like this, you know, the Lord really hates them. Lord's not able to bring them in. In fact, not only is it the case that there's reference to what the Egyptians would say, but we read of there being those in Israel saying similar things. We didn't read in the beginning of Numbers 14, the same chapter, but toward the beginning. But it says, "...the children of Israel murmured against Moses, against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness?" That's what they said. Would God we had died in this wilderness... And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? So, those were things like that were being said within Israel itself. But for the people of God to hear those kind of things being said also from within Israel, people talking that way. And when people reproach us, when people reproach because of our sin, if we wander in the wilderness for a day, people wandering in the wilderness for a time, and if people would mock and ridicule them, We understand that God chastens his people in love. What we deserve, the punishment that we deserve came upon Christ. He suffered and died in our place. He satisfied the demands of God's justice. And God's people suffer for a time and are chastened in love. We're not satisfying the demands of God's justice. Christ did that. But God, for his God's people, would go through various times, like wandering in the wilderness or the going to captivity. They'd go to captivity for a while and then they'd come back. And it wasn't as if, well, they suffered enough, they satisfied the demands of God's justice in those years in the wilderness or in those years in Babylon and now God's justice is satisfied God's justice was satisfied Christ offered the perfect sacrifice the one perfect sacrifice God in his love back then and also today chastens us and there are times when there's mockery that comes upon us, even as it did among the people at this time. But God keeps his covenant promise. And when God speaks here about how he removed the reproach or rolled away the reproach, the reproach of Egypt from off of you, now they've come into the land now they're circumcised. People saying, oh, you know, he led them out to the wilderness to destroy them. Now he's brought them in, as God said he would. And they're circumcised. All those that had been not circumcised during those years, now they are, the males are circumcised. Now they bear the ensign and banner of Christ, as we say about baptism. These are God's people. And God is with them. And when God chastens us, today, when people say God is chastening us, and there's been a lot of that of late, a lot of people saying that of late, that God's chastening us, well, it is always important for us to examine ourselves. And A number of people are mentioning various sins, pride, and so on. Well, certainly we always have to look at our pride. There's no doubt about about that. And it's good that we all reflect on that and about our own sinful pride. And looking down on others. Some have talked about worldly mindedness. And that, that's true, being so caught up in inter- with thoughts about entertainment and possessions and the tendency today to be so into entertainment or our possessions and trying to build more possessions or various pleasures of different sorts. Busy with work and with pleasure and not having, spending the time that we ought, talking about spiritual things. Undoubtedly, it's good for us to examine ourselves with regard to those things. There's no doubt about that. And that's something that we should do. In an ongoing way. It's also the case that when somebody talks about certain things you know, that have happened, certain events that have happened, somebody leaving us, for example, has recently took place. When somebody talks about something specific it is good for us to consider what, what specifically was the reason for that and talk about what the reason was. Now and the difficulty with a minister of our churches leaving us is that he, he left without telling us in detail. Some of us are aware of certain reasons of why that why that happened but it's important for us to talk about not only why but whether it was right whether that was what one should do if you have disagreed there are proper ways to deal with disagreements and if a minister thinks we've got problems in our churches that needs to be addressed well he's called to address them and things such as like was just mentioned just giving two examples certainly we do speak of that nobody's who's, we that's something that we do speak out against our own sinful pride and that is something we need to turn from And insofar as somebody wants to point that out, that we need to turn from that, by all means, be proclaiming that, how we've got to be humble. And when we talk to people from outside our churches, to talk to them in true humility, by all means, and to exhort them with regard to that. There's a proper way for us to deal with differences, and it's important for us to address specifics when we talk about a specific event and what specifically should or should not be done in that case. But speaking more generally, all of us are to recognize that when our God does chasten us, he does show us why. When we talk about being chastened, our Father in, in his love for us shows us our sins. And as we see our own sins, some that are of an ongoing, these are things that were mentioned, are something that we've got to fight our whole life. Pride and selfishness and loving pleasures and these are covetousness, this things we're we going to have to fight those our whole life. Anyone can say, you know, you, you've got to fight covet and we've got to confess it. Or you, you're proud, you have to confess that. So it's going to be true our whole life. But we're sorry. We do strive. We are striving against our spiritual foes. We are sorry for our sins. And we ought to point out the blessings of God that are seen in our generations. And we see that. We see that here. As people can say negatively, you know, there's so little interest in Bible study. Well, we have a society. Just this last Thursday, that goes all the way around the table, all the way around. And you—that's the work of the Spirit, that that happens. That God's people are, and there's discussion. There's interesting discussion on the word and staying afterwards talking and communing together. Now we have to promote that more so for sure but we do need to point out things like that that are happening and to be thankful to God for the blessings that he's bestowing upon us and bestowing upon us in our generations for some of the ones that I'm Speaking of they're gathering around their your children or maybe your grandchildren now as adults, and you see their interest in spiritual things. And we're to be thankful to God for that. The Lord chastens us in his love. And he shows us sins to turn from, and he works in us sorrow for sin and strength to fight and for that we're to thank him and we're to look forward to to the day when the full realization of what God has promised us takes place here there's the reproaches rolled off them This day have I rolled away or rolled off the reproach of Egypt from you. And then they named the place Gilgal. Gilgal. And that memorial that was the stones that had been taken from Jordan were put there too. That was the one that, was specific that we read of that being commanded that they would take those stones and put them there and that they put them in, in Gilgal. And we read of other events. I'm going to read when they go around Jericho, where we're going to re- read again about coming to Gilgal. Later, when you read about Samuel going in circuit to different places and judging Israel, that one of the places was was Gilgal and when Judah came to meet to go meet David when he was coming back from over the Jordan they came and met it Gilgal and that name for them would have that meaning to them ruled this town we come to this place and it's called ruled and if a child asks now why does it called that Well, that gives an opportunity then to bring up what had happened there. It's interesting to consider, I did a look at a number of places. There's quite a list of them, of places that have names. You know, the name of the place was called Bethel, where Jacob saw that ladder and so on. Bethel, house of God. How many places, there were quite a few places that were then given a name. And then as you were in the promised land and went to different places, come across places that have various names that would remind the people about what God did. About God's works. this would remind the people about what God did. He rolled the reproach of Egypt from off you. And in the days that they didn't have the scriptures the way that we have them today, began, the writing of them began in the days of Moses. And it wasn't like everybody has a copy of the scriptures, there were different places that had various names that would bring to remembrance different events that had taken place. And then that would be an opportunity then and still today as we read a bit in the scriptures to the wonderful works of God. It's good too to remember the rolling away of the rolling off of the reproach. You see Israel entering the land, the reproach rolled off, circumcised, the children that hadn't been circumcised, circumcised, and now they're the reproach rolled off. That we know that the scriptures are directing us here to be remembering the day will come when we will inherit the land. will inherit the earth and the events that are talked about here direct us to that that day is going to come we're going to inherit the earth and we know it's also the case that we will be crowned with glory and honor in the difficulties we go through the trials that we face in times when people speak evil against us falsely sometimes people mock us when we're being chastened what a comfort it is to read what we confess at the end of the Belgian Confession about what's going to happen that when Christ returns The faithful and elect shall be crowned with glory and honor. You and me. Receiving blessings Christ purchased us sinners crowned with glory and honor. And the Son of God will confess their names before God his Father and his elect angels. All tears shall be wiped from their eyes, and their cause, and then there's a reference to what people say in this life, and their cause, which is now condemned by many judges and magistrates as heretical and impious, will then, will then be known to be the cause of the Son of God. And for a gracious reward, gracious, the Lord will cause them to possess such a glory, such a glory, Has never entered into the heart of man to conceive. Amazing. That is the truth. That is what God has promised us. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. And as we go through this life, may we be patient in adversity, thankful to our God for the blessings he bestows upon us, and may we encourage one another and together glorify the name of our Redeemer. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, our Father, we are so thankful for thy grace thankful for the mercy that thou dost show to us and we are so thankful for the inheritance that we have in thy son we are thankful thou dost show us our sins and we do desire O lord to be walking more in true humility to recognize we, we ourselves have so much to learn and we do see covetousness in ourselves And, O Lord, we are sorry. And we desire that thou would strengthen us in the battle against covetousness, against laziness. Lord, grant us the grace to make good use of our time. Grant that grace to our children, too. And may we be strengthened to fight the good fight, the fight of faith, and to work together and encourage one another in these last days. O Lord, we are so thankful that we are thine. Think of the sign of the covenant, the everlasting covenant that thou hast made with us and our children. We have fellowship with thee. Thou art with us. May we with joy and gladness praise thee, O Lord. May thy name be magnified by us and all thy people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.